0: Hi everybody, welcome along, it is episode 5 of the Motor Focus Model Podcast, I'm Aaron Noonan and today Dimitri Kamina, my co-host and I are looking at one another for the first time down the Zoom video chat, you can't see us because this is a podcast but uh, Dim the audio is way better when we use Zoom so uh, it's nice to see you, I can see you Yeah I can see
1: you too which is going to be a, a distraction for me I think for the first one
0: so oh, that, um, yeah, we'll be right. Sounds good. Hey, we had great response to um, episode four a fortnight ago with Richard Poole from Bianti Model Cars joining us, and it was fantastic, wasn't he? Answered so many questions that our uh, listeners and our followers had about uh, what's coming up for Bianti, about model collecting in general. Uh, it was really great. We've got some we've uh, we've got some guests coming up in the next couple of episodes that I think will be uh, just as interesting as well. Yeah, and no, it was really good to have Richard
1: on and, you know, he was um, up front with his, with his answers, um, gave us a good insight into, you know, how he got started in, in this uh, world of, of uh, model making and, um, you know, how much of his job is taken up with, with dealing with the factories and also the, you know, the dealing with the teams and getting all the contracts and things in place so it can all happen.
0: Now, one of the things is uh, we have got a few more guests lined up for upcoming episodes, so I think you've got to listen right through this podcast to get to the end of it to find out who is our guest in a fortnight's time for the next episode. But let's rip into things, Dim. Uh, some new arrivals uh, on the model range this week, particularly... Of course, at Motor Focus, you can order via motorfocus.com.au. Join the collector's club and get 5% off, which is always a nice way to go about it. But Classic Collectibles have got some 118 scale stuff out this week.
1: Yeah, correct. So this month from uh, Classic Collectibles, we received, uh, these are all in 118 scale. So we've got the Ford Cortina GT500 in the red satin. So this is basically the road version of the Bathurst winning 1964 car they did. Uh, gorgeous little model. Um, not not a lot of them made. I think there's only 750, so they're going to go pretty quick. They've also released uh, a Holden HR Premier in the Savannah Bronze. Uh, also, Holden HX Monaro GDS in the Deville Blue. Really good model. Um, excellent quality. Then we've got the uh, the Van Gisberg and Tanda Holden ZB Commodore the Bathurst livery uh, from last year,
0: the 50th anniversary so car. So this, this is the car that was, wasn't, now yes. is being made?
1: Yes, very controversial car. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but
1: it's, um, it's out now, so uh, a lot of collectors are very happy about that
0: one. And, of course, that livery from last year for the Red Bull Holden Racing team at Bathurst, it mimicked really the Holden dealer team's cars of about 71, but... Of course, it was to celebrate the 50th anniversary of factory involvement in the great race at Bathurst. Ironically, given uh, 2019 back to 1969, it was the Holden dealer team and Holden was doing everything they could to tell everyone that it wasn't them involved in the racing program when absolutely we all know that they were up to their ears in it. So, uh, yeah, that's one that I'd expect, whether it's that car or the Lounge Wing Cup car, that'll be sought after given it was a a one-off livery, very nearly a Bathurst-winning car for uh, Van Gisbergen and Tanda, because they finished second to the Shell V-Power Racing Mustang of Scott McLaughlin and Alex Premer. And we've covered off what's happening with the model car, of the winning car on previous episodes. So if you haven't heard about it, go through our back catalogue of podcasts on the Motor Focus Model podcast and you can hear all about it. Uh, We spoke to Richard Poole from Bianti last week and they've got some some new material this week too. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Something for the Ford fans. So 1.8-inch scale Ford
1: Falcon XB GT sedan, so the four-door in polar white. Now, this is the second colour release out of this mould. The first one was the yellow blaze. So it's, uh, it's actually a, uh, what they call a composite model. So I won't say it's a fancy name for plastic, but, you know, it's kind of like that, but really good detail. Uh, everything opens and shuts. So it is a bit of the way of the future for auto art, when they make new moulds. So don't be afraid the fact that it is made out of composite, uh, you'll be very impressed with them. Also uh, in the Apex brand, they've got the Ford Falcon FPV GTR spec in the kinetic blue. So these are a sealed body resin model. Now there's only 252 made of this particular colour. So they are going to be in demand and uh, we've got some available at the moment. Bianti have also, uh, they do a range of 112 scale uh, V8 supercars and uh, so they do the Red Bull Racing and uh, the car that we've been talking about last year's Bathurst Retro Livery uh, is now available in the 112 for uh, Van Gisbergen, Tanda and the Lowndes Wind Cup car.
0: So that's one of the things that uh, a lot of our uh, listeners and collectors might be a bit puzzled about in that how well we've just talked about those cars in one eighteenth scale being released by classics but uh Beante actually holds the rights to do them in one twelfth. so there's different deals for different scales yeah that's right and
1: uh like classics just aren't interested in doing a one twelfth scale model so Beanti obviously have a mold so It makes uh, good business sense and good for the collectors that they go and get the deal done. I would love to see a little bit more of that going on with the 164 scale, but um, we'll have to uh, keep pushing them to to try and make something like that happen.
0: I'm sure you will be pushing. I'm sure you will be pushing. I will push. Hey, there's uh, there's plenty of stuff also uh, that you're stocking at motorfocus.com.au and, of course, in the, the store in Archerfield in, in Brisbane in Queensland. A couple of books coming along that I'm a little bit familiar with. Uh, obviously, we've talked about them in the past through my V8 Sleuth podcast, but also here on the MotorFocus Model podcast, you're one of our great stockists of our books. And uh, we're just putting to bed today. Uh, we've done the final proofs of Racing the Lion, the Holden Illustrated, a history of holding Australian Motorsport. So it's due from the printer in about, about two weeks, and then it'll be distributed to stockists like Motor Focus and uh, others around the country uh, mid-August. So I guess it's a, a case of how fast you can wrap them up and package them and get them off to your, to your customers. Uh, same is the case with our Bathurst 12-hour book, 10 years of the, the GT race, which is Bathurst going global. Photo of every car from every year's race from the last 10 years of the 12-hour. So... I've got yeah. the feeling that'll keep people flicking for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Really
1: looking forward to these two books. Uh, particularly, uh, I love the the Bathurst 12-hour race because of the variety of cars. And um, so a book to
0: sort of celebrate that is is just going to be great. I think there's a... We've talked about it. I think it was episode one even that the rise of the 12-hour among collectors has been really interesting in terms of the mm-hmm. model cars because the early years when the race went to a GT race, that was 2011, was really only a handful in it each year with predominantly the Audis dominating. And and those model cars, as the race grew in its stature in following years and more manufacturers and factory teams and supercar stars, and then of course supercars bought the event and now run it themselves, uh, those early 12-hour winning Audis went from not being worth very much to now being worth quite a bit because they helped complete the 12-hour GT winner's collection, for want of a better term.
1: Yeah, definitely. The models have, have been very sought after. And uh, I think that the real catalyst for the explosion of that was getting the supercar drivers into that race. You know, seeing our local stars, mixing it in there. And um, so it was a great move for supercars uh, to, to take on the race and, and and do their management and that sort of thing. It was that year they put a bit of a block on, wasn't there?
0: Mm. Yeah, they had the, uh, the official test at Sydney Motorsport Park, same weekend as the 12-hour yeah. when it was all getting very political. And uh, mm. luckily that didn't last for too long because in yeah. the end, uh, the sale was made. James O'Brien, who owned and ran the event in conjunction with the, the council up there, uh, sold out to supercars. We've actually covered that off in the book. There's a chapter covering that side of things in Bathurst Mm going global. So uh, for your customers who order it through motor focus, they can not just look at the great pictures of all the cars from over the years. They can read a bit more insight into what was really going on behind the scenes during that, uh, that little mini, well, it wasn't really a a race war, but it it was brewing that it could have been something uh, a little bit more. Uh, Speaking of Bathursts, too, uh, Dim, we love having those little additions to model car collections and you've got some more of those Bathurst winning trophies coming soon.
1: Yeah, we have our our talented uh, man Dion from from the West has uh, come up with three more for us now. So we've got uh, coming the '96 uh, Bathurst winning plaque. It's more of a plaque like a timber looking thing. So
0: it's not much compared to the other trophies of the year. I reckon Lowndes and Murphy got ripped off that year because it was like a a wooden. Shield carved in the the shape of the AMP yeah. Bathurst 1000 logo. There was no crystal trophy. There was no big, huge, pointy thing. There was there was nothing. That was as good as they got. Yeah, I think they're they're okay with it, knowing they, they won the race. And uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, but <clears throat> so also uh, the following year, the '97 uh, trophy that was presented to Perkins and Ingle and the '98
0: trophy for Bright and Richards is coming as well. And they were more, a, a, of course, that was when V8 supercars started running their own Bathurst race, the Primus 1000, the FAI 1000 Classic. They were more a traditional little trophy, little um, silver trophy with a lid and little sides on it yeah. and, that's, and that sort of thing. So that'll be a great addition to anyone with those cars in their, in their collection. And you're actually building a fair little uh, array of those now, are you? Yeah, we certainly are. They've been super
1: popular. So uh, we, we've had to put, uh, a reorder system in place uh so we can keep up with it so uh like i said our, our man in the west dion is uh, doing a great job and uh getting him to us as, as fast as he can
0: now it's great when you've got an archive of photos isn't it to be able to draw upon to figure out some of this stuff an1images.com is helping yes. out Motor focus with all of these little bits of history to make sure that uh, they're nice and accurate so as when you've got them with your car in your collection in your cabinet you've got the trophy exactly how it appeared on the day that that car crossed the line to win the great race. The other part of our motor focus model podcast in, that's been massively uh, popular with our listeners and with our fans and followers of models and and collecting uh, has been our Q and A. There's been some ripping questions. We've got another bunch of them here. Uh, We may as well rip in because there's quite a few to get through. Um, Now we did get a question from Nathan Mortimer on regards, uh, in regards to cleaning and repairing models, but, there's probably so many elements to that that we'll actually devote a segment to that question in the near future. So we'll we'll cover that off in a in a future podcast. So Dim, yeah, put the sure. notes for um I have. You, you, good man, good man. It's uh, it's down in the note sheet for upcoming episodes. Uh, Greg Ralph, I think he's taking the Mickey here, but you be the judge. Uh, hi Dim and Aaron, loving the podcasts and the scintillating repartee. I think he's taking the P I
1: well, I know Greg pretty well, and uh, he, he does love the
0: podcast, but he, he he likes to joke too. Oh, that's okay. He can, uh, he can hang out here. That's okay. Uh, he says that he sees a lot of questions lately on social media with fans asking about their Diecast Collection's valuation and insuring it accordingly. He said he's got his collection insured with Shannon's, but are there other insurers out there that would provide coverage for model cars? Thoughts and comments. This is actually a really good question because it's something that From a personal point of view, um, my model car collection is at my office. Uh, There is not one single model car in my house, which I think my wife is very proud of, actually. Uh, But uh, they all live at work. It's the logical place for them to be in the office. They're surrounded by all things motorsport. But uh, when we did the office um, business insurance, of course, there's computers and there's all sorts of things. uh, The model cars became a big element in terms of documenting for um, taking photos of every car where applicable, the, the certificates that went with them and keeping a spreadsheet list of exactly what we had. Uh, because if we had to go back and buy it all tomorrow, uh, second hand through eBay or um, stock or slot motor focus, it'd be a lot of money and it'd take a lot of time, but you need to have the proof that you even, you can't just say, oh, well, I had one of them and I had one of them and I had five of those Brock and Perkins Lamont Porsches that are worth a pile of money and I had seven of them and three of them. Uh, you've really got to put some time and effort in and, and Greg raises a, a really great point.
1: Yeah, it certainly does. Um, but I think we need to get you a cabinet at home so you can take your work home. That will be our <laughs>
0: first uh, no, thing we no, need to work organize. at work. Work stays at work, Tim. Come on now. It's <laughs> way easier that way.
1: Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, we also had a, a similar question uh, from Darren Sinter. Uh So, thanks to Greg and to Darren for asking a, a very similar question. It's a very important question. Uh, thankfully, I've got a customer who is a is an insurance broker for Gallagher's, uh, Justin Risley, and um, we had a bit of a chat the other day about it. And um, so, I'll just go over a brief sort of breakdown on 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 what he um, sort of. Suggested so, you know I think with any insurer you've got, you know it's a con. You've got to have that conversation with them if you want to protect your investment in your models. So, so everyone's going to be a bit different. Some are going to want, you know, uh, evaluation, or they may just cover it in your contents. So, yeah, just have that conversation to make sure you've got got it uh, listed. Uh, some may require like I said, a valuation. So you may just supply that, they may be happy with that, or you may have to get a professional uh, to, to do a, a proper valuation. So in the in the event of a loss or there's damage, uh, the biggest thing for insurance is you've got to be able to prove you had them and you lost them. So things like photos, receipts, uh, you can even uh, utilise you know, your supplier. So if you've got a good relationship with that person, um, they can actually vouch for you to say in the event of loss, yes, that list that has been supplied, I can say that person did own them, he bought them off us, that sort of thing. So, which that surprised me. I, I, I didn't realise the good old insurers would be that kind. So, <laughs> um, so, so that's a general sort of touch on it, but, you know, it's best to get that professional advice and um, as a favour for for Motor Focus and our our listeners, uh, Justin's more than happy to discuss any insurance issues you've got or questions um, with our listeners. And if you just want to let us know via email or or Facebook message and we can give you Justin's details and get hold of him, have a chat to him and, and make sure you've got all your bases covered.
0: And I guess for a lot of people, it'll be making... Uh, a decision on what suits them best. It might be a case that they protect their uh, significant valued models. They might find a way to do it. All of them. Uh, Yeah, it's definitely something that we would encourage you to all uh, follow through on and and seek a little bit of advice from an insurance expert in your, in your local area who can assist you. And, but it's a great point you make and and one I hadn't even thought of um, in terms of a a supplier vouching for your collection, because of course at the motor, motor focus uh, particularly with the online store you 've got records of orders, so uh, you can vouch that yeah, that specific model in that specific date in that specific year um, going back to a a certain certain point so it's a it 's a great point, so all the more reason to um, be uh, very closely connected to your to your stockist and of course we 'd reckon that Motofocus is a good one to have hey uh, Greg Wright has a, a question dim. He says he loved the last podcast with Richard. Um, he says, do you think that any previously released 118th Bathurst winners will be re-released by, say, Classic? He's missing some early 2000 models, and I think he's probably referring to, um, uh, well, what was early 2000s? HRT winning cars with Mark Scaife winning two in a row, the Kmart racing cars of Murphy and Kelly. They were all auto art models through bianchi weren't they so any chance yeah
1: look it's a touchy subject for our for our uh, hobby you know some collectors can get pretty upset that you know they've bought one and and you know it's seen an increase in value then someone else has brought it out um and it's dropped the value so but on the other side there's a lot of collectors that can't afford you know at the uh the second-hand market price, and it and it comes out, and and it gives them an opportunity to grab it for their collection, and and that's what Greg's talking about here, I guess. So, um, but you know, when when we do see a double up like that, the prices do get affected, but we also see them come back up again over time. For for example, you know, the 72 bathes winner of Brockie, uh the anti did it a long time ago. It was it was fetching seven eight hundred dollars classics brought theirs out obviously people can't get that because people have got an option for say 240 bucks so but now either of those versions you're going to pay you know 500 plus for so there is a sort of a settling period as well so so i'm actually like on greg's side here i don't mind seeing some of the redos by a different brand because you know it does help collectors in most cases um and i certainly have been encouraging classic collectibles back at the start of this year to have a have a good look at um the 0102 winner and like you say the 0304 because they've got the molds and they can group some production together and hopefully bring them to market again and uh but you know once once those two have done them will we ever see them from anyone else again probably not so Uh, I think uh, you know Greg can sort of rest assured that there will be some others to come and uh, he can maybe pick it up then
0: okay Uh, David Wheatley has got a question probably similar era Uh, when are some VN and VP Commodore models being made in 143rd and 118th there's so many to be done and it's not even mentioned great podcast by the way now Uh, We have seen, in terms of VNs, uh, Beanti do the Holden Racing Team Bathurst cars from 91. Uh, We've also seen the two mobile Brock and Perkins cars from uh, Bathurst 91 done as well. Uh, Beyond that, off the top of my head, there's no other VNs that have yet been done, but I can think of some cool VNs like Wayne Gardner's Bathurst debut, Strathfield Car Radio's Red Commodore, uh, the beautiful Elf Barber Gallo, Castrol, VN Group A that he had in Western Australia, uh, Terry Finnegan's Foodtown car, uh, Bob Pearson's product cars with the spider web on the front bonnet. Uh, there's still plenty of those sorts of cars to be done. Uh, can yeah. you see any of that sort of stuff coming on stream soon?
1: Yeah, look, it's 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 always the numbers game, you know, and we know that. And uh, But when they've got the tooling, it allows them to sort of go back and do sort of other cars as time goes on. And I think we will see that happening. Uh, it's just a matter of in which direction the, the, the manufacturers are pushing, you know, they're always getting challenged for new, new moulds and new body shapes. Uh, so they're trying to balance that with also utilising their current tooling. So David, uh, a good customer of ours as well, got a massive collection and uh, he wants to make it even bigger, I guess. Uh, but the good news is uh, Ace Models, who's another little boutique sort of producer, he's uh, getting pretty close to releasing the 143rd scale 1993 Bathurst winning VP Commodore.
0: Okay, that, that's a bit left field. We haven't really heard too much about that. Why haven't we heard much about that? Is it because they're a, a smaller boutique setter? Uh,
1: I think since we sort of, kick this podcast off Ace uh, a smalls hasn't really released much in you know he's got product coming but yeah we we do stock quite a bit of his gear and uh, like i said it's very different uh, and, and he chooses that specifically to to have different molds to you know be anti-classics or authentic so sort of people so he's got a, a great little niche business there and um you know he's always sort of doing different things like the, the alpha. Uh, he's done Bob Jane's Monaro. He's done like a little Camaro. So, uh, and I'm sure David's probably got some of them in his collection already, but, you know, look forward to some more unique things coming.
0: Uh, Another question uh, from Nathan Higginson, and it's a little bit along the similar era lines. Will there ever be any other cars from 1993 to 2002? That's in V8 supercars. He'd love some more EB, EF, EL, AU, Falcons, VP, VR, VS, VT, VX, Commodores. Of course, a lot of those cars were produced very early, uh, well, early 2000s, late 90s by classics. Of course, model making's come a long way since then with the moulds and the detail and the, um, the elements that can really be shown in, in the car. So there's probably an opportunity for a lot of those ones to be redone in the modern era, as it were. And then a whole pile that we haven't seen done yet uh, be done at the same time.
1: Yeah. And it, and it falls into a, a similar sort of category as, as David's question in a way that, you know, they're, they're all existing tooling. So it's a matter of, you know, going back and, and looking at, you know, what they can do and combining that, some of those production models together. Uh, I mean, Richard from BNT mentioned last week that the Seaton and the uh, Alan Jones EF Falcons aren't too far away. Uh, I know BNT are planning more Johnson and Bell EF EL Falcons as well. And uh, I've also been pushing some great ideas towards classic collectibles as, as they still have an AU. Falcon tooling, so there's some great cars amongst that 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 they could certainly make and uh, I've given some great sort of ideas there and um, so I'll be checking in with with Peter from Classics again in the near future to see if he's uh, keen enough to um, have a go at them.
0: I think the thing is that the AU Falcon V8 supercar, which ran from 1999 to 2002 as the primary car before the BA came along, albeit that it wasn't an ultimately successful car in terms of AUs never won Bathurst and they never won a championship, but there were some standout cars of that period. Obviously the the green eyed monster with Craig Lowndes is still well talked about. There were the Seton cars, the Larkham cars, the DJR cars, um, Brad Jones racing's Aussie Mail cars, the cat cars, uh, the better electrical John Briggs cars. There's a lot of stuff in those AUs and, and then the little variations of Bathurst cars and, Um, different liveries and and things like that that I I reckon that there's a there's a whole pile to be done there and it's in a nice hitting zone dim of stuff that's 20 years old I reckon's in that perfect I remember when period where it's not too recent that it's not in the memory bank and it's not too far away that you've forgotten about it it's in a, a nice area yeah yeah and
1: exactly what you're saying there and that's why they can go back over time you know 10, 15 years ago, an XE, XD Falcon was just like run-of-the-mill car, but now in real life they are a rare collectible car. So, you know, dare I say it, one day, you know, the AUs are are, are, going to be a very sought-after car as well, and they they already are becoming that. So, you know, what we see in real life is reflected in our models as well. So it will definitely... uh, there's a lot of scope there for classics if they can get that AU tooling uh, resurrected and uh, they've got cars to make.
0: Yeah, there's lots of cars and you and I, I'm sure, can suggest plenty of different liveries and years and drivers and teams and to do that with. Uh, Nicholas Cutting Jack, sorry, Nicholas, if I've uh, absolutely destroyed your surname there and trying to pronounce it, but uh, he says love the show. So therefore he gets his question answered. He said, are there any 118th scale big Kev cars around anywhere. Now, I think vaguely back in the day there was a big Kev car released, wasn't there? Yeah, it certainly was, long time ago. So they definitely
1: are out there and uh I think Nicholas is just looking to find one to buy. So we probably need to sort of point him in on, on how to find something from the past. Obviously uh checking with some of the good stockers out there that that buy and sell collections is is definitely one way. Uh, but there's some really good Facebook sites for buying and selling models, so you can sort of search around there. And uh, obviously, you've got eBay to keep an eye on as well. So it's out there. It was done by Classic Collectibles in their very early supercar mold, so it's it's not overly detailed. But that's the only way you'll get it. And um, price-wise, expect to pay I'll say 150 to 250. It's a bit of a broad range, but you know they don't come up very often but you know it's not a baptist winner either
0: ah uh, yes but it was big kev and i'm excited was the buzz line remember from back in the day <laughs> with big kev who's uh no longer with us uh yeah. rob, rob kingston's question what do you reckon will be the next big money or big ticket car that has come out of 2019 2020 so he's Sort of referring to in terms of value, a uh, price, and he's used as an example the two Bathurst winning Kmart cars of o3 and o4 which are, you know, they're well, you know, six, seven, eight hundred dollar type cars. Uh, is there going to be a case of any of the current cars that are out and about now or coming soon that will, in say, fifteen years' time, command that sort of a value?
1: Yeah, I think there there will be. Uh, I would be sort of looking at the 12-hour winners from the last couple of years. Uh, obviously, when, they, when Authentics released the McLaughlin Premier Bathurst-winning Mustang from last year, they will, I think their production run is going to be about 5,000, but you know, that's a reflection of how popular that car will be. So absolutely can, can expect that one to um, increase in value over, over a short period of time. Uh, also the Red Bull Project Sandman, the, the, the silver livery one that was released not that long ago. It's already sort of had a little jump. It uh, was re- released about 300 bucks, People are asking around 500 for it at the moment. Uh, I think a driver to watch in the future is Anton Di Pasquale. So if he starts getting some good, solid results consistently, uh, I think his early cars which are basically last year and this year, will uh, you know people will go back and be looking for them.
0: Okay, so you try to get in on the ground level before someone becomes a star, buy their early cars and be sitting pretty when they start racking up race wins and winning championships. It's a good strategy. I like it.
1: Yeah, look, it is. And we can take the example of Scott McLaughlin, you know, some of his early Commodores, his Volgos. Uh, are just nowhere to be found at times and uh, when that happens price comes up
0: and I guess too for some of those cars that along the way uh, for say Scott McLaughlin in his earlier period I mean most of those cars that he drove the GRM Commodores the Volvos have all been done in their various livery iterations but there'll be something along the way that was a unique decaled car that will fill a gap down the track that you wouldn't do if he had not become a superstar. If he was just another yeah. regular journeyman, good bloke, but never won a championship, they'd never get done. But because he's becoming this, well, he's he's a do- the dominant force currently. He's the two-time and reigning champion. He's a Bathurst winner. He's piling on the race wins and poles. Uh, and if he doesn't go to the States... Uh, like we all had thought pre-COVID he was going to, and I'm sure he and the team probably did too, uh, he's got a chance here to uh, further add to that. So getting some more old McLaughlin models might be a good idea right now too.
1: Yeah, look, I think there's a bit of scope there in the Volvo range because they did run a few different sort of bonnets and things like that. It's probably, you know, in the DJR range, they'll pretty much do everything anyway. But yeah, like you say, going back to his earlier years, hey, they could even go back and do like a um, development series kind of championship-winning car as well.
0: Well, they've got uh, his championship-winning FG from 2012, but also his BF that he started in a couple of years prior to that. So, And don't forget that he, he actually made his main game debut for Techno as a co-driver with Jonathan Webb at Sandown and Bathurst, and those two cars had different liveries uh, with different sponsors on them. So... There's yep. the chance there to uh, to do some more stuff. Hey, we've drifted a little bit away from our, our topic of discussion. Thanks, everybody, for your questions here on the Motor Focus Model podcast. We just, uh, Dim's email box and social media accounts just explode every week with the call out for questions, but keep them flowing in via uh, motorfocus.com.au through the contact page and also through uh, the Motor Focus Facebook page. Uh, we parked this segment last time around, Dim, because we were talking to Richard Paul, but our secondhand market section is back. And talking about McLaughlin, it's probably a nice segue because we're going to talk about some Dick Johnson models. And of course the recently released uh, and sold out DJR car history book. Uh, it's quite timely. We chat about some of the cars that featured in that book. Have you got any copies of that left or are you all, all done as we are? All done. All done. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's a good result. We, we probably yeah. should have done an extra couple of books. Don't you reckon?
1: Well, we're kind of photocopying some, you know. It might be quite a good quality, mate, but, you know, we'll sell them for uh, a little bit cheaper. Is that okay?
0: All right. I was wondering why Ebo was getting busy. Hey, <laughs> let's look talk uh, Dick Johnson Falcons, uh, specifically the, the XDs and the XEs, and we'll, we'll run through what has been released over the journey because there's been a fair bit uh, along the way, um, and Bianti's been very prominent in, in all of that, starting back to the... The car that started it for Dick Johnson, the Rock Falcon, the, the 1980 Parma Tube Mills uh, True Blue Blue XD Falcon from that infamous race where he hit the rock that uh, ripped the side out of the car and uh, the money flowed in from TV viewers to build a new car. And of course, he went back the, the following year. But that Rock car, that was released, what, 2004, I think it was, and they made 7200 of that, but it's held its value even though there was a relatively decent-sized run.
1: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, look, the XDXE model that Bianchi produced was a really good model. You know, the 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 shape, the detail, you know, diecast, everything open and shut. Obviously, come with signed certificates by Dick Johnson as well. So, you know, it's a popular car to start with, and then when you're adding the significance of uh, of certain races and things like that. So, yeah, the 1980 rock car. Um, I'd put a value on that of at least $700 these days. Um, it even came with a little 1.18 scale replica of the rock that, that Dick uh, clouded. So, yeah, definitely a, a, a nice one to uh, have in your collection.
0: The car that I mentioned that replaced that was the, the winning car from 1981 in the, the crash-shortened race at the top of the mountain. But it was actually released as a model by Bianti two years earlier than the Rock car in 2002, and there were more of them produced. I think it was over 8,200 from memory, but it's – I mean, a Bathurst winner is a Bathurst winner, and the, the first Dick Johnson Bathurst winner is is special, hence why the value on that solid too. Yeah, correct.
1: Uh, 8,274 made, uh, and uh, because it's a Bathurst winner combined with Dick Johnson uh, – and was it John French?
0: Yep, sure was. Yep.
1: So, you know, $800 plus if you can find one of them available. And, uh, you know, it again, it's a great car. It's a great model. Um, it was everything Dick Johnson was back then, you know, the Queensland sort of promotion and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, very cool one to have.
0: The next year was the introduction of the XE Falcon and uh, everyone associates Dick with the green XE, but when it first started in late 82, it was the Red Rue Blue uh, livery for Bathurst that year with he and John French. Uh, that was released in 2006, but it's held its value pretty well considering it's, it's not a wing Bathurst car.
1: That's right. You know, 3,100 made. Um, I didn't realise it was an XE until I kind of, when I first had one, uh, I just assumed it was an XD being blue. But, yeah, like you say, it was the first of the XE uh, with the distinct red front bumper bar. So uh, Red Roo was his name. So you're looking at around that sort of $450 to $500 for for that particular one.
0: 1983 is the, the famous XE, though, the one that was written off uh, in the trees, green stuff and more green stuffed than anything, anything else. Uh, no one I've seen has produced a, uh, uh, a modified version of that car, uh, but I'm sure there's some people out there who've pulled one apart and tried to modify it as dick modified the real car through the trees on the exit of forest elbow in the shootout that year but uh, that 83 green stuff car is uh, that's a solid value one too it's not a winning car but it's one that everybody remembers and that's why the value solid yeah such such
1: uh, history with that spectacular crash uh, and and the efforts that the team put in to uh, get back on the grid the following day um, so it you know it epitomized the the that Desire and you know the importance of that race. So released in two thousand uh, and three, uh, seven thousand six hundred and twenty made, and very sought after model. You know, seven to eight hundred dollar model all
0: day. The one dim that started it all in terms of that Dick Johnson range is the the eighty four championship winning XE, the green. Uh, Group C car that Dick only drove for one year because the rules changed to Group A and the Mustangs came for the next year. So that came out in 2001, which was the first of that whole XE, XD, uh, Beante range. Uh, I've got one of those sitting here in the office actually somewhere. And and that's a solid one too because it was uh, Dick's third championship win, albeit his second championship winning car because he won two in that True Blue XD.
1: Yeah, so the the 84 XC Bathurst car, um, 5,100 made. uh, Value-wise, I'm going to have to mark it down a bit at about the 500 mark. And the the reason is, unfortunately, every one of them that I've seen have some major paint blemishes going on. Uh, In a cabinet, you may not notice it completely from a distance, but up close... I don't think I've noticed it on mine. Yeah, go and have a look. Not right now, but unfortunately, uh, it's, it's a bubbling of, of some sort of corrosion under the paint. And um, the talk back in the day was maybe when they were taken out of the moulds, they weren't cleaned properly uh, and it's caused this sort of issue. So unfortunately, that's the, the quirks with that model, but uh, still a very cool looking car and, and important in the Dick Johnson collection
0: let's go and have a look at the, the touring car championship winners because uh, some of those cars were the same cars that raced at Bathurst. But uh, the, actually, now, I think that car that we just mentioned was the 84 Bathurst car, wasn't it? Not the Correct. Touring Car Championship car. So the blemished car is the Bathurst car. Did the championship winning car have the same issue? No, not at all. It was made many years later. Okay, so, so that's the 84 car. Let's cover off the touring car championship winners for Dick Johnson. And the 81 model of, uh, so it was they did the Bathurst winners earlier in the piece and then the championship winning cars, which of course had slightly different liveries, followed in the latter years. So the 1981 Bathurst winning car was released in 2002, but the championship winning car wasn't released for another eight years down the track, but they didn't do very many of them.
1: No, that's that's right. It was released 2010. Only a thousand made of the 81 touring car winner, and uh, again, it's it's significant. It's a touring car winner. It's Dick Johnson. Uh, expect to pay around the 500 mark for that one.
0: And that, of course, was his first touring car championship win, uh, clinched with that great last race at Lakeside, with he and Peter Brock going head to head winner-take-all in the title and, and Dick got the job done. He was back the following year in the same car and Bianchi have made the 1982 version uh, XD Touring Car Championship winner. Of course, the livery was a little different to in 81, but they actually made the 82 winner a year before. They made the 81 winner, which is a little strange. I would have thought that the, the go-to car to do would have been the 81.
1: Yeah, don't give me a headache now, all right? Uh, we, we are chopping and changing... Um with release dates, but uh, the 82 championship winning edition, uh, 3,800 made. And again, i put it value around that $500 mark. So they're, they're less than the Bathurst cars, but
0: still pretty important. Why is the 82 championship winning car around the same value as the 81 championship winning car when there were nearly three or four times more 82 cars made?
1: Uh, look, I think it's just a, a demand-driven thing. Uh, again, people will chase the Bathurst cars predominantly. Uh, and, you know, the touring cars are kind of all just sort of treated a bit similar.
0: Championship's good. It's better than not a championship, but it's, it's still not a Bathurst, I guess, is the best way to... to yeah, speak. that's right.
1: Yeah, people, you know, the most collectible models are Bathurst winners followed by your touring car winners.
0: And 1984 was a championship win for Dick Johnson. Uh, that XC, the Touring Car Championship version, uh, that's around the same sort of value as the other championship winning cars too.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, 3,858 of them made, released in 2007. Uh, it's, it's the green uh, XE, but it's a little bit plainer looking car. And uh, I, I think it's a really nice one to have in the collection as well. And i probably rate that one a little bit more, maybe 50 to to $100 more than than the other two blue uh, XD championship winners. So, you know, that 550 to 600 mark should uh, find you
0: one of them. Okay. Uh, but the other thing is that there was another uh, special Dick Johnson XC Falcon that was made. The car that after he went through the trees, they rebirthed Andrew Harris's privateer car, which had started its life as the Bob Morris Seiko car actually the year before. Uh, And of course everyone knows the story of how all night the team swapped over the parts and they repainted this car green and they just made it out in time to get it onto the grid for Sunday morning. Uh, But there was the, the, the Sunday morning model version, which that car was obviously a different car to the one that went in the trees and the livery was a little bit different too, because they didn't have the time to finish all of the little elements because that was the day where uh, liveries were hand painted on the cars. They weren't a stick of vinyl wrap like they are these days. So there were some unique elements that were different. Uh, I remember that the, the, remember that the number around the 17 on the, the crash car had the different colors to, of channel seven uh, but that was gone on Sunday because they didn't have time to do it and it was just a, a white number panel. So that car was done for one of the die-cast model expos some time ago, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, back in 2011, we had our 1st diecast model expo, which I was heavily involved with, and um, that was one of the cars I identified as, as a potential expo model. And when I approached... Be anti to make it. Um, I just assumed they 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 would make it, pretty much, uh, with its different livery and so it'd be same thing but a different color. But when we actually received the models, um, they just did a superb job. It was the, the car had a different, uh, as you said, the different livery. Uh, the interior was a different color. The engine bay was completely different with with its air intake as opposed to how Dick had his car, but because they were swapping things, you know, they just had to run some of the existing gear, I guess. Uh, even the paint on this model is done like a satin because I believe they never clear coated it because they didn't have time to give it the shine. Uh, and also one of the additions was the in-car camera uh, and Bianchi produced that in the model as well. So it was just a, a spur model model. Uh, only 600 made, Bean Expo models, their lower runs. And uh, if you can uh, pry one of them out of collector's hands these days, you know, it, don't be angry if they're asking 1200 bucks or more.
0: Wow. Well, I'm feeling good about myself because I picked up one of those a couple of years ago at the Bendigo swap meet, and it was nowhere near that price. It was decent, but it was nowhere near that price. So that was probably well one done. of my better efforts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You've it's- done well.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Of course, Dick Johnson, mate, is such a a superstar to so many people. So his model cars will forever be uh, an important part of of collecting. So great to have a look at some of those cars. Uh, A few of those I've got in the cabinet here. Certainly not all of them. I'd uh, have to save my pennies to grab a couple more of those ones. But uh, as always, I know that with Motor Focus, uh, you've got collectors regularly through social media who are looking for a specific uh, car from back in the day that's a second-hand market car so uh don't be confused to our listeners that you don't just deal in the new stuff you're also uh in in the second-hand market as well
1: yeah it's a big part of our business uh we we do buy collections from time to time um not always easy to get but you know it's i love doing that and uh being able to sort of have that range of the older more sought after cars as well so uh, if you've got something you might want to trade or sell, you can let us know. And or if you're chasing something,
0: been and gone as well. Yeah, I think the half of the fun of collecting anything, not just model cars, is that that chase and that hunt to find the thing that you are missing to complete a, a specific collection or era or uh, type of uh, of element of whatever it is you're collecting. So that's part of the fun of it. If if you had it all, it was too easy. Uh, There'd be no fun in it. Hey, special offer too, before we wrap up the podcast, Tim, if you like your metal trailers for model cars, then you've got a pretty good deal on a 118 Scar diecast metal trailer.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, We've uh, done a bit of a deal with one of our suppliers. Uh, So a lot of people like, again, those little extras around their collection. So we have a diecast metal trailer. It's got the fold-up ramps on the back and uh, you can put a car on it and maybe get a ute or something in front of it. Now, they're normally a $30 item. Uh, we've got them on special for nineteen ninety-five for our uh, Collector Club members, and it's so easy to join, and you can get that discount.
0: Head to the website, motorfocus.com.au to join up and take advantage of the discounts and special offers that uh, Motor Focus provides. Uh, we're done. Dim. would you believe it? We're five episodes down. Uh, who would have thought? Yeah, now... Next week. Oh, next, sorry, yes. next issue. I, I wasn't going to leave without telling our fans we have our first celebrity collector on yes. the next week. Uh, his brother is probably a bit more known because he's got his name on their team. However, this guy's been an integral part of Brad Jones Racing for so many years. He's a massive model car collector, which I think a lot of people won't know. Kim Jones is going to join us on the next episode in a fortnight's time. And from what I've heard, He's got a really handy collection of Audis. Remember that they ran the Audi Super Touring cars for oh, five years, I think it was. Very close ties to Audi Sport in Germany. Uh, I hear he's got some really cool Audi stuff. So if you love that sort of stuff, definitely listen in. Yeah,
1: look, uh, Kim is a bit of a regular wanderer in to our. Our sort of mobile shop at the V8 Supercar rounds. He uh, he always comes and has a bit of a sticky beak and um, a bit of a chat. So yeah, he's he's a definite uh, hardcore collector, and be interesting to see um, what we can extract out of him about his
0: collection. I reckon he's probably bang up for some Oscar NASCAR models if we could ever get any of those produced from. Uh, The problem would be, though, that they won the championship that many times in Oscar racing. You'd have to produce five championship-winning cars to get through the full Brad Jones Racing Thunderdome championship-winning set. We'd be here all year. Yeah. Well, we know we got five sold. (laughs) Well, no, Bradley would want five for free, I'm sure. Maybe Kim would buy them, but Brad would want them for free. Yeah, sure. Well, there's 10 we can produce. Exactly, exactly. We're looking forward to that one in a fortnight's time. Episode 6 of the Motor Focus Model Podcast. We'll be joined by Kim Jones, but in the meantime, it's been another great show, Dean. Uh As always, uh, where can people find you in the shop?
1: Uh, well, we are located at uh, Unit 9, number one
0: Stockwell place, Archerfield, or jump on our website, motorfocus.com.au. And of course, join the Collectors Club via the website to take advantage of the discounts on offer and uh, some of the special offers that are cooking up. It's been great to catch up. We've actually been able to see one another during this recording down the, the zoom video line to those who haven't had to look at us. That's probably a good thing. If In fact, I mean, listening to us is rough enough. You'd have to, you don't have to look at our faces as well, which is probably a good thing, but we've covered off plenty of of, of room. Uh, keep the questions flowing in via motor Focus's website and by the, the Facebook account too. We're loving uh, some of the, the thoughts that you're coming up with uh we're open to ideas on the second hand market of a, a theme that you might want us to explore uh one of the ones that i've had um from my side of things in v8 Sleuthland that we might put on the list uh dim is marcus ambrose cars of course uh, v8 supercar champion and came back briefly with djr team penske and then of course nascar racing there's some Plenty of Marcus NASCAR models floating around too, so we might take a look down the track at some some Marcus models and some values and and how the secondhand market's looking with him.
1: Yeah, great. I, it's a sort of a great selection there, and uh, absolutely keep those ideas coming for for our listeners out there. So thanks, Aaron, for for the chat today, and and again thanks to our listeners for tuning in.
0: Yeah, we've got rising numbers on the podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and you get a notification as soon as it goes live it's every fortnight is when we're wheeling these out later in the week uh, usually thursdays but if you subscribe you'll get all the notifications tell all your friends about it leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and in the meantime we're done episode five of the motor focus model podcast we're parking it in the garage and going away and leaving the keys we'll be back in a fortnight's time with kim jones we'll chat to you there